Today we're talking to David Stransky. Um, David is a, a member of the Slavia Prague Ultras. The, these, these are the hardcore fans of, of football clubs or whatever sports clubs there are. They come to every match. Uh, they sacrifice a lot for their support to the team. And uh, yeah, they, it's, um, it's the most loud part of the audience when you go to any sports event or a football match. And Slavia is, is one of the two big teams in Prague. The other team is, is Sparta. And there's a huge rivalry between those. And I was curious when I got to know David about this world because between a lot of those clubs, there's often a lot of fighting, there's a lot of violence. And it goes pretty far from what most people would consider normal uh, support of, 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 of a team. And yeah, so he told me about how, how this whole thing works and what got him interested. And, and, and he also supports a small team in the sixth division in the Czech Republic. Uh, they show up there, 10, 15 guys with uh, fireworks and uh, drums and megaphones and... Uh, make a lot of noise, they sing songs, and this is something that this team or other teams at the same level have never seen or rarely seen. Um, and uh, they, the team was extremely thankful. And he told me, yeah, he told me all about this world and what, what it is that actually kind of makes, his, um, yeah, makes him interested and excited about this whole thing. Um, and a little bit about himself, well, he's here from Prague and he, he was a dropout from university. He, he, but he chose also very interesting studies, but uh, a cool guy. I, I really liked talking to him. Uh, and uh, we talked to owners of football clubs, business around football and how it has changed. Um, and yeah, a little bit about football around the world, but we focused mainly on, on, on the situation here in the Czech Republic. The sponsors, that is the Oat Bar on Cypher Tower 21 in Shishkov. Um, you can also order on Volt or Bolt and get it delivered home if you live in Prague. And uh, those of you who visit Prague, you should def definitely check the place out on Google and, and, and get yourself there. Um, open every weekday from 8.30 until 3 and then on the weekends uh, to 1.30. Actually, 1.30 on Fridays as well. And uh, yeah, great food, oatmeal, skier with different toppings, great coffee, homemade goodies, salty peanut butter bar that's like a healthy Snickers, amazing stuff. You gotta try it, guys. And then Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz, and Alfred Jobs in the App Store, iOS, and Google Play. Um, you can set up your own personal job votes, meaning that you will see only out of the, like right now, there are probably like five, six, seven thousand jobs in Alfred. You see only those that are relevant to you. So you don't need to browse to jobs that don't match your desire. And you can see the salaries, you can see the job description, you can read about the company. It's an amazing tool, actually. Um, and uh, with that, you save a lot of time. You can apply with one click. You're anonymous. It's free to use. I, I don't know what's, what more to say about such a uh, tool that is free. So check that out, guys. And Alfred is also in Iceland and in Malta. Alfred.is and Alfred.com.mt. <laughs> we, are, we are recording now, so you have to tell me the story. Welcome, David Stransky. How are you? Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Um, you, you were telling me just before we started recording that you hate hate your own voice in Czech um, because you have some strong letters when so you pronounce. So you're happy that we do this in, in English. And, and 
And I asked you, have you recorded something before? And you you were starting to tell me that. And I said, well, we need this on the tape. So what have you recorded before? <laughs> okay. Uh, that was a movie. I think we were 18, 20 years old. And we, we got drunk on the holiday house of my friend. And we recorded a short movie. And then after that, we decided, okay, let's make another one. But maybe more, more like... Um, you know, more more details. Let's put more details in it and make it longer. Let's make it longer. And uh, we made a short Western movie that you can uh, find on YouTube if you are interested. But I'm not sharing the name because I don't want other people to see that. Not it's really, really embarrassing. Like a cowboy movie? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like made by, you know, 18 years old, 20 years old. And it's uh, it's shitty, but it's funny. At least for us, it's funny. Uh-huh. I had a... I, my parents had a video <laughs> video camera when I was probably like 17 or 18 or something. And once they were away, they were abroad and, and they left me at home um, with a dog. It must have been not far off, a long, long time away because they would never have trusted me for the dog. But uh, so it must have been like a weekend trip or something. And then me and my friends got drunk and of course started using the video camera and, and were pretending to have... Um, Sex with a dog and, and stuff like that. And I was really hoping it would end a different way. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a pretentious like moves and stuff like that. And, and, and we it found it extremely funny, of course. Yeah, that's, that's what you say, okay. And uh, and then uh, we, I forgot about this and my parents found it and they were not very amused. But um, anyway, that that's not what we hear about. Um, innocent animals being suffered at home, suffering at home. Um I don't know. Yeah. The reason why you're here is that we have a mutual friend, Marek. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Marek. Um, Hi, Marek. And uh, he told me once about this group of guys that is following uh, a small football team called SS Ostra. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's where? In the fifth or sixth league? or Yeah, something like that. I'm not really even sure by myself. Yeah. <laughs> fifth, sixth. Uh, tire yeah, of, yeah. of the football pyramid in Czech Republic, and and you, but you guys go all in. I mean, you 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 travel with them to the away games. You sleep on the floor in some some shitty hostels. Yes, some sometimes it's it's a let's say a occasional thing. We don't go there every match. We just go like several times a year. I don't know. Now it's probably six to eight games per year mm. because we have our like major club that we follow, and it's Slavia Prague. Uh, at least most of us. But uh, yeah, that's something we we try to do as as uh, often as we can. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about this because you know, like usually you hear about this kind of diehard following. You don't hear about it on a team in the sixth tier or seventh tier or fifth tier or, or something. I mean, and 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 so I was curious. And then he told me about you, and and uh, and we decided to 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 talk after we spoke a little bit. Then I found out that you know you yeah you follow Slavia, which is one of the biggest teams here in the Czech Republic, probably right now the biggest one, and uh, or the most successful one at least recently. And uh, and I wanted to I wanted to 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 talk to you about you know football, football fans, hooligans, and 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 this both here and kind of in a global context and. Uh, um, what are you doing though when you're not a football fan? Yeah, I understand a, a little bit. Like, let's say ordinary office job. I'm, I'm doing some basic service management in an IT company, and I'm administrating two internal systems in this company. And it's something I've been doing for for several years already. Mm. 
and it's not really interesting in any way. It's a really a normal office job. Yeah, but you're not bored. Um, I'm not bored, but right now I'm super stressed <laughs> because we have some big project that's nearly about to finish, and uh, it's a it's a lot of work for me. I'm not bored. I'm not bored. Uh, definitely not because uh, in past years I was able to even travel mm. while doing the job remotely. Yeah, so, you lived in uh, Spain and uh, in Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, and uh, then also in Portugal. It was on all, all, all those uh, occasions. It was thanks to uh, my ex-girlfriend that. Uh, got some grant and she, she was able to travel there and study or work there at the university for several months, both mm-hmm. in Spain and Portugal. So I I went with her and I was able to keep my job and do it completely remotely. So that was the great, that was the great thing and really an uh, upside of this job. Yeah. And how, uh, but how, how was that like to live in Spain? Or I mean, it's, um, it's such a different culture than from here. Was it fun or? or? It was always funny. Mm. Uh, it's, Always it was interesting. I met a lot of great people, mm. uh, more in Portugal than in Spain, but that was probably because we were more, more let's say, closed uh, in, in Spain or not meeting that much people. Uh, but it was also interesting in Barcelona because we were there a few years ago when they were proclaiming the independence yeah. and having all those big uh, protests. protests yeah. And uh, we went to the city center on several occasions to see the demonstrations. And it was crazy because you saw all the people like, you know, shedding tears uh, mm. because they they were like they they hoped that they they had this entire their entire life it was suddenly mm. coming to life, and it was also like tragic in in other way because you saw them happy and you knew okay this this can't last mm. this will end in several yeah, days yeah, somehow, and yeah, tomorrow yeah. they will beat you up you know the policeman and then yeah. in in a week your your representatives will be probably in jail or something like that so yeah yeah, yeah every party has has an hangover <laughs> yeah but this one was pretty strong i mm. suppose mm. uh but you're born here in in Prague, and you lived here apart from from these adventures your whole life, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, where? Uh, in the northern uh, part of Prague, uh-huh. uh, near Ladvi, Prague Eight. I don't know if you know mm. it. Probably your listeners don't. But no, I I actually know it, <laughs> but but I, I it's it's yeah, it's not like a, I think a place that a lot of people would necessarily know where it is. Um, and what kind of uh, Childhood was this family and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a from like I have parents obviously uh, that lived with us in a small flat, and I shared a room with my brother. I have one sibling, older brother, mm. and uh, we lived in this small like two two rooms apartment. Um, but my childhood was, I think, amazing when I compare it to childhood of a lot of people I know I had so much fun because our parents always wanted us to do everything we wanted we did not have you know that much money to be able to travel around the world and buy everything uh, we wanted but they always like provided for us and mm. they always wanted us to be happy so uh, that was was really really a great childhood and I always uh, or, or my parents were always spending a lot of time with their friends and their children so we were always in big groups and uh, you know with if when you are with proper people like great people that you have fun with it yeah. really doesn't matter what you do because uh, we pro- we could have gone to like two weeks trip two weeks trips to the nature like just sleeping under the sky 
and these are the best moments of my life or at least of my childhood yeah. and you don't really need nothing <laughs> for that you mm. you just need a sleeping bag but it's a very big thing here actually if you look at families in in this country and and it's an interesting thing that they actually spend a lot of time together and a lot of time with friends and with their children if you go out here on a I don't know, on a Saturday or Sunday in the summer, you, you will see families biking together, hiking together and, and all this. Which is, for, for me, you know, being from Scandinavia, we, we, we don't necessarily spend a lot of time with the family. Um, and uh, it's a very nice thing, I think. Yeah, but I think it has some limits uh, because, at least from my point of view, it seems to me that people are hanging out a lot with their kids, but mm. it's just the parents, you know, you don't see, okay, you see, but you don't always see like bigger groups, you know, when, when uh, more couples meet and they, mm. uh, they uh, the have kids their and, yeah. kids hanging around and stuff like that, so... Uh, yeah, but that's probably the perspective because you're saying it was different in Scandinavia. I'm used to something in here in Czech Republic. So then when I go to South European countries, I always uh, am saying to myself probably the similar thing you are saying to yourself. Like, yeah, that's yeah. great. If this was like that in Czech Republic, it would be way better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just different levels. Yeah. But, um, and how were you as a kid? Were you a good or a bad kid or? or? It depends. I think... Um, I think I was like both. <laughs> I, yeah. I I were uh, probably not such a bad kid, but I was also misbehaving uh, quite often. Like even in the kindergarten, it was like you know getting in fights and swearing, and in, in all those like uh, school years. And uh, I think for my classmates in the ground school and maybe also in high school, I was sometimes a really like shitty person to have around and but at the same uh, anybody uh, that you want to say sorry to now or <laughs> <laughs> maybe some well, what does what does make you a shitty person like that i mean what what, yeah, what do you I'm do i'm pretty sure that at the uh, like ground school we were at, at at least on the edge of you know bullying someone mm. you know there were some kids that were not really popular and you know if you mock them and you add to the fire you you are you are a shitty person and that's well, the what thing. year are you born uh, 1991. Uh-huh. So um, I, I turned 30 this year. Okay. And uh, yeah, but I think it is on the on the other on the other side. Uh, I had a lot of friends. So in you know, and at any at any age I was, and I still have. So I suppose I was not that much shitty, and I think it got better through the years. So. Yeah. But I I think that you know like I think most of us have something from this time of our life that maybe we could have done differently you know i think i was a total bully and uh, but we d- didn't even call it bullying then you know it was just teasing or something and it was yeah it was not uh, not not nice it didn't make it nicer but yeah i think it's a very common thing but uh, a good student um, no, I was <laughs> doing okay <laughs> on at high school because it was really, I think, easy to to you know uh, go through all those years without uh, much effort mm. put in. Uh, some things were like naturally easy for me. I think um, I don't know the foreign languages were quite okay. I don't know the history was quite fun for me, so I did not have problems studying that. But you, then you have those I don't know like sciences, natural sciences, and mathematics and stuff like that. And I always sucked at this, but mm. still, you know, the the system lets you go through because there are people that are worse than you, 
and you have to have everybody <laughs> going through in the end. So that was it. And uh, maybe that's a completely different topic to discuss, but uh, I think it's maybe a problem for a lot of kids in the Czech school system that they don't teach you how to study properly. They mm. want you to know things or, you know, do your homework and stuff like that, but they they don't make you... Uh, the method. Yeah, they, they don't give you the method and mm. then you end up at university and no one will be teaching you that when you are there already. No, I, I, it's the same actually in Iceland because I remember from uh, when I, in Iceland you go as a 20-year-old to university and it was such a big shock because prior to that, both in primary school and also in, in the, we, we have this gymnasium or something mm-hmm. that is like four years. Um, <clears throat> in, in both those levels, you got a lot of support and, and you could feel that the teacher was really trying to make sure that you would make it through one way or the other, you know? Um but in and then in university you you show up and and no one gives a shit. first of all they don't care if you show up because it's not mandatory so this is great because then you can you just don't go there and then then secondly no one cares about homework or anything and no one cares if you make it through they got their money they don't give a shit yeah that's true and and uh, that's not for everybody you know like that, that was a really a big shock for me yeah yeah and yeah that's that's correct what you said and then you know the thing about showing up that's <laughs> that was the, also the issue because I, I arrived at university and i was like yeah okay i probably don't have to go to these lectures because mm. they're boring as hell and i can think of better things to do mm. so i i don't know i went out with my friends i i went to work because i had this part-time job back then so yeah then it kind of like developed in me uh not really caring that much about the studies at the mm. university at all. And then I ended up as a dropout uh, unsuccessfully from two faculties. So uh. yeah, The second faculty that you went into was quite interesting. That was uh, Croatian and Serbian philology. Why the fuck? Uh, yeah. Um, I had a friend, uh, my former... So first of all, what is philology? Because yeah, it's a study of, uh, let's see, uh, I don't know if I should say regional culture, but you're mm. studying... Uh, language through the narrative of its history culture you study the literature of a nation so you kind of like focused on on one one language in a, in, in a all historical the things, context yeah in yeah. the historical context mm. of the country uh, and, and and yeah all the stuff that goes with it so you study i don't know when i went to the balkan studies so we studied the history of, of Serbia, Croatia, we were having lectures about the literature from this region. We mm. were uh, obviously having the language lectures and seminars and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's all. And why, and why that region? What, what's interesting about the Balkans? Yeah, I had a friend uh, that uh, we really shared, that I really shared the passion for this region with because I was there in some countries, he went there, then we kind of like met uh, this, you know, we discussed the history of this region, which is really interesting. And so uh, we always liked the people living there and stuff. So I kind of like, it grew or uh, the same uh, way as my friendship with this guy, Tomáš. And uh, then uh, the thing that probably decided that, okay, this is something that I might really uh, try to study was the trip to a football match in Croatia in 2011 when we went for a friendly game of Slavia Prague against Hajduk Split. And it was probably the best weekend of my life. And I don't know, we can probably talk about it later or now, as you wish. Yeah, but, well, well, what uh, made it a great weekend? I mean, what, what? It's a long story, but I suppose we have the time. Um, 
2011 was the year when uh, Hajduk split, which is probably, at least from my point of view, the biggest uh, club in Croatia. Uh, there is one that's probably uh, most, success- most successful right now, but this one... The Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah, Dinamo no. Zagreb, but mm. I'm not really sure what are the counts, but uh, yeah. from my point of view, at least Hajduk has more fans because uh, nearly all the coastline cities have some fan clubs and stuff. So it's uh, hugely followed in uh, southern Croatia. Mm. And uh, Slavia Prague was invited to play a friendly match there, celebrating their 100th year's anniversary. And uh, we didn't know that. We could have looked it up, but we didn't like think about it that much. Uh, so when we arrived there, uh, we didn't know that uh, Hajduk Split and Slavia are really let's say, connected in their history uh, a lot because uh, the Croatian students that founded the club, uh, they founded the club in uh, one pub in Prague and uh, the former Slavia players, some students from Prague, were the guys helping them with establishment of the club and they, mm. they helped them to form the idea and and with maybe some, you know, I don't know. So that's probably yeah. why they invited them, I guess. Definitely, uh-huh. but we didn't really think about it. Yeah, or yeah. maybe we knew, okay, there's some connection, yeah. but yeah. But not how it was. Yeah, it's 100 years ago. You don't really see uh, anyone, you know, uh, or you didn't hear anyone talking about it in Prague. Mm. So we didn't, didn't know how big it is in Croatia. Yeah. And then we arrived there. And, and we there like, was a red carpet and they celebrated you like a hero. <laughs> not really, but you're not uh, that far from the truth. Uh, <laughs> we arrived to the city and we were quite late because there were some troubles on the borders. The, the policemen uh, didn't want us to uh, to go through the border because there were a lot of like pyrotechnics that they found and they, they, they had to like... So you had fireworks with you? Uh, yeah, it was in, in the bus. I didn't have any, but a lot of guys around me had uh, mm. because we were traveling uh, with the Ultras group from Slavia to this match with Tribuna Sever. And uh, there were some, they really uh, kept us on the border for several hours. Also, there was some incident where guy guys stole uh, stuffed animals at the gas station and <laughs> the lady called the police. The police arrived and then we were waiting for i don't know maybe an hour till everybody returns uh, all the stuff <laughs> stuffed animals that they stole which was really stupid uh but that was how the drunken football fans uh, imagined that day valentine they should go because we were going there in february mm-hmm. and it was the weekend when the valentine day was mm-hmm. so they were like okay i'm going to a football match in croatia so probably i should make it up to my girlfriend so i will steal a stuffed bear for her and give it to her when we <laughs> when Get we back. return from the match so i don't know maybe for so they had good intentions yeah. Yeah, but I don't really approve of this. But uh, probably some, I don't know, 30, 40 stuffed animals were stolen and then the lady was counting. Like when they they were putting it back to shelves and she was like, okay, this is the bear, this is the monkey, there's the dog, there's one dog missing. So there was a discussion in the bus, like guys, who the fuck has this stuffed dog? Return it or we are not making it on time. So in the end, every stuffed animal Mm. returned to its Mm. shelf and we were (laughs) good to go. Then we were at the borders uh, for several hours before they were able to search everybody and Mm. the whole bus. And there were even some guys that had to get naked in front of the policemen and stuff like that. So it was was crazy. And we arrived to the city center where our hostel was. And it was just several hours before the kickoff. Mm. So there was not much time to, you know, hang around to do some sightseeing and stuff. And uh, we knew that uh, Croatian fans were crazy 
and they still are. And uh, we were really like, okay, let's be careful, you know, don't get in some arguments, uh, just always go, you know, with a group of other people and, uh, you know, look look after yourself, guys. And uh, we went to the stadium, like the whole bus and other people that arrived, so one big group, we went to the stadium, then, then there were the policemen, they kind of like separated us from the other fans. They let us into the away sector. Then the show started. It was amazing. There were like, I don't know, the stadium is not really sure if it's for 30,000 people or something like that. I think there was at least like 40,000 people in the stadium. Then, then there were thousands of people outside of the stadium. They just wanted to be yeah, part as of close it, yeah. as possible. Yeah. And it was amazing. One of the best atmospheres I've ever experienced. Uh, Slavia won 3-0. Mm. They boot a little on their players because they wanted them to celebrate the anniversary in a better way. Mm. And then at the end of the match, uh, several like, dozens of people, they climbed the fence in their home sector and they ran towards our sector on the opposite end of the stadium. And that was the point when we were like, okay, shit, that's probably the Now point. Now we have to fight. Yeah, when we get beaten because there were <laughs> only like 100 of us. Yeah. Slavia was playing really bad back then. Uh, no one was really excited about going to a friendly match uh, to Croatia in February because we didn't know how big it would be. Mm. So really like 100 people, I think, from Slavia. And we were like, okay, yeah, probably we are, we're getting beaten now. And they, the guys climbed, the Croatian guys climbed the fence and they started like to shout at us like, yeah, yeah, give me, give me the scarf or the, the t-shirt, Slavia t-shirt or the jersey or, you know, let's take a picture or something like that. And they were really, really happy that we were there. Uh -huh. They wanted some souvenirs for themselves from Slavia uh -huh. and they were extremely friendly. They, they started, you know, to uh, passing some drinks, you know, through the fence and stuff like that. And we realized Yeah, these guys <laughs> didn't come to beat us. They they want they want to spend some time with us. They want mm. to you know talk to us, uh, take pictures, and exchange you know souvenirs and stuff like that. And it was amazing. And then it continued through the whole night, which was uh -huh. crazy. There were like several thousands people in split celebrating the whole thing. So all the streets were crowded, mm. like the COVID nightmare <laughs> nowadays. Mm. But there were like you know you you. When you when you uh, wanted to turn around, you probably had to move other people's away, other people uh -huh. away from you because it was really crowded. Concerts and like, everything, everything friendly, no problem. Yeah, no problem. There was an amazing pyro show, incredible uh -huh. one. Maybe I will show you later on YouTube because it's like it's batshit crazy. I've never seen mm. anything like that. The sky was burning because they fired marine flares uh, at I think 11 or 1911 at mm. that time because of the uh, year. you know year and uh, like thousands of marine flares flying at one point in in the sky and mm. it looked like the sky was burning so amazing and the people were like I've never seen any or never met anyone that friendly as the people there in split mm. they were buying us drinks They wanted to talk, you know, everyone Everyone was super crazy and super happy about meeting someone from Slavia. So you had to like to talk to uh, someone uh, everywhere you go, everywhere yeah, you yeah, went. Yeah, you were celebrities. Yeah, we received discounts in restaurants for pizza, <laughs> <laughs> you know, free drinks everywhere. Yeah. And, and guys like taking pictures and exchanging some stuff. And, you know, when... 
when you when you gave I don't know a scarf of Slavia to someone, they, they were like they went crazy. The guy was he was nearly willing to, you know, strip himself naked to give yeah. you I don't know anything he had uh, at himself. And uh, well, that's great. I mean, that's uh, going from thinking that they're gonna beat you up to being a celebrity, the the hardest guy in town. You know, it's a that must have been a good feeling. It was. It was amazing, and that's probably why I really cherish this memory. Yeah. I, I I don't think I will ever experience anything. And that, like that. that made you go and study the philology, but uh, but then you dropped out of that. Yeah, I made some friends in Croatia uh, from from Split directly or towns mm. near Split. We were you know uh, chatting, uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, probably could uh, learn the language a little and then talk with those guys in Croatian, and it will be nice. And I really like the country and and the people, so yeah, why not? Yeah. But plans turned out differently, and you got the job that you you kind of are in now. Um, yeah. And now, so you you're a football fan already then, but you played football yourself as a kid as well, right? Yeah, I played football for I don't know how many years. I think since I was six, I was playing football, and I ended when I was I think twelve or thirteen, <laughs> mm. because of uh, some uh, problems with my knee. Mm. It was uh, it was just uh, quitting football or going to a surgery every year or every second year. So I chose not to play football anymore. Mm. And then uh, I was not really that much into football before I turned fourteen. And uh, yeah, I started visiting Slavia matches mm. every every second weekend. And there are like here in Prague, you have kind of two major teams, right? I mean, there is Sparta Prague and Slavia Prague. And they have been, I mean, I, I knew those teams. Well, you had Dukla Prague also in the past. I remember during communism, that was the military team. But uh, and actually, Dukla has been started again, I think, in, in handball or something or hockey or something. No, they just they just they're still playing football, but they uh-huh. are, they are not that great that they used to be. So now they are competing in the second league. Aha. Uh-huh. So. Those two teams are kind of the main teams here, right? There is Sparta and Slavia. Yeah. And they are the biggest rivalry in, in town. Yeah, definitely in town. Probably in Czech Republic as well, but people mm. from Ostrava will tell you uh, otherwise. So. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It's like that and it's always been like that. And when I was playing football, you always had those like discussions and then fights between teammates because of you know who was fond of Slavia and Sparta and it was just kid fi- kid fights but mm. uh, it was still still a thing and uh yeah I think Sparta is still like more followed in Czech Republic you, you will find more fans of Sparta Prague mm. but that's how it is it's probably the let's say inheritance of the former times why is that is there like a region like because where I'm from in Iceland you you kind of have you follow almost like the team from your postcode, you know, like it's it's like kind of like that, you know, or your your neighborhood, let's say. Did, did Sparta have a bigger, I don't know, bigger yeah, they root? Were, they were more successful than, than uh-huh. other clubs. They were, I don't know, it's, I don't really want to get much into this because, you know, all Slavia fans will, will tell you that Sparta was uh, hugely supported by the communist regime uh-huh. back then. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of factors, uh, in fact, but uh, 
in also in the 90s they were 90s they were really the best club in Czech Republic mm. so if you wanted to follow a club that will that will play European cups and that will, would win the championship title and stuff like that you would follow Sparta obviously mm. but I probably can't tell you like why all those like smaller villages in southern Moravia have so many Sparta fans but uh, you can find Sparta fans everywhere but you can also find Slavia fans in mm. nearly all regions of Czech Republic mm. so these two clubs are bigger than their regions yeah so they have fans that are not just here um but uh, is there a like if I take those two clubs uh, like is there a difference of the fan base can you say that I don't know one has a more sophisticated fan base or one is more educated or less educated or is it like is there any you know Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get the idea. What you mean? Um, not really sure because uh, you know people say, or they always been saying that okay, Slavia is more, let's say, followed by intellectuals and stuff like that. But it's not the case. I think it might have been the case in the history mm. uh, when, uh, and it's true, you know, that Sparta was more, let's say, um, more more uh, liked by the communist regime so it was more of a workers club mm. and slavia uh, was not really that uh, that uh, favorite uh, so they even had to change their name at one point they were relegated to second league mm. and uh, only you know some part of their original fan base remained with them but then they kind of like were able to save the club uh, you know in the 60s uh, so It's uh they have different stories mm. uh, from their history, but I think nowadays you can't really uh, say See a difference. Yeah, because you inherit this, you know, from your parents, from your grandfathers, yeah, yeah. and nowadays it's just a big football club, and you don't really you don't really go and follow one club because you're from a working class family or you're from a you know university uh, teachers. No, but it might happen yeah. by a regional. Because you know, like I, I, I think I told you when we talked earlier about the teams in Denmark. You know, the, the, you know, the kind of the two bigger teams in Denmark, FC Copenhagen and and uh, Brøndby. You know, Brøndby is more of a working man's club. You know, somehow, and and uh, and 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 it's also from an area where there is maybe more working class people. You know, and and uh, whereas FC Copenhagen and and where you know their stadium is in the middle of where. Everybody has more money than they can use, and and it's a little bit more snobbish. So, but you don't, you say you don't really see this difference anymore here. Yeah, I think that. But uh, I also got an idea uh, while you were saying this. Um, there probably is a big difference, or there was uh, several years ago, because um, as I said, uh, Slavia was really like uh, let's say diminished, mm. and uh, Sparta was a huge club, like in decade decades. And uh, maybe the thing is that a lot of people were following Sparta just because it was such a huge club, mm. and they they wanted to you know enjoy be the part, success, yeah, be, be part, part of, of something, it. Yeah. And the Slavia fans they they had to you know struggle with the club because it was really complicated. Then in the 90s it was still like that because Sparta was winning every every year, nearly every year the championship, mm. and Slavia also even got the nickname. Like always, the second—that was how they called us because yeah. we always ended up behind Sparta. I, 
you know, second in the in, a, in the table, mm. but still I don't know, 15 points behind Sparta, so really the gap was quite quite big. Uh, not every time, but you know they were really really better. Uh, at least at playing football. So uh, you probably can see this, that uh, Sparta fans are more used to success. Mm. So when success is not there, they are not really that enthusiastic and they don't go to the stadium in such uh-huh, great numbers. So they give up. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah they, they don't really like being unsuccessful. So when they you know, were not even in like top two uh, in the league and that happened in past years uh, on several occasions... You didn't see that much people coming to to the Letna Stadium, but mm. it's also the thing. Uh, I, I guess, for every club, because when you're successful, suddenly you have so many fans, yeah. and uh, it's really really funny. You can see it uh, even this season uh, at Slavia, because um, when we were playing Champions League, uh, you we had to, and I'm a season ticket holder for for a lot of years, but we had to queue, uh, go to a queue. Uh, to get uh, tickets for a Champions League game, home home Champions League game, and there were people even like sleeping uh, at the yeah, in front box, of the ticket yeah. box, yeah. Uh, and I was like, "This is crazy." I, I miss the old times when we were playing shit and we were playing at Strahov Stadium, and, and you were, could walk in. There were yeah, two thousand and you know five hundred people coming, but you didn't have to go through yeah. this. And suddenly, we don't play Champions League. We don't play just this UEFA Conference League, which. Mm probably looks shitty to a lot of people, but you then have teams like Feyenoord Rotterdam or Union Berlin coming to uh, to Slavia and you, you think, okay, that's huge. They have great supporters. Mm. They play a decent football. Mm. It's great. But people are not interested. Like There are 11,000 yeah, Slavia glory, fans. The glory hunters are gone. Yeah, yeah, and it's just the competition yeah. because the teams are interesting and if we were playing Feyenoord Rotterdam in Champions League, yeah, well they would th- come. The stadium would be sold yeah, out again. Yeah. But it's not Champions League, so like, why, yeah. why bother? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, but uh, but your first experience you, when you when you started going to football matches, like uh, like in the in the the Czech, you were what 12, 13, 14? 14. And how 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 was that? Yeah, I think it was uh, okay. The, how I started uh, or why I started was after the Prague derby match mm. played on Letna Stadium, so Sparta home, home ground. And uh, I went there with my classmates from the gymnasium mm. and uh, they were, most of them were Sparta fans. So we went to the Sparta stand uh, opposite to the main stand. So, you know, the place where you would expect like, more let's say, relaxed people or, you know, like normal, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. People. Not, not the ultras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we sat there and we, we like, hoped to uh, enjoy the game. I think Sparta won. Not really sure if it was 2-0 or 3-1 or something like that. But I left the stadium uh, during halftime uh, because even though I was not, not really a nice kid in a lot of ways, I was not prepared for, you know, guys being in their 40s and 50s, you know, to shout at the Slavia players such like disgusting things that I I thought, okay, I'm I'm maybe busy misbehaving, I can be an idiot, but I would never tell anything like that to any other person. And those guys that you would you would expect to be, you know, you would expect them to be uh, uh, I don't know, some to have to have some standards, let's say, mm. or to behave like a normal adult. And they were like shouting stuff about Karel Pitaks, who, who was a 
captain, I think, back then, uh, things about his wife and children and stuff like that. And it was so disgusting that mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, staying here any minute longer. And I left at the halftime and I was so pissed that I decided, okay, I'm never going to do this stand and, you know, among the Sparta fans, even with my friends and stuff like that. But uh, I'm definitely giving it a try and I'm going to Slavia game, home game next weekend. And I had a friend in my class that was uh, going regularly. So mm. I joined him and we started to visit matches together. Were, and were the fans better at Slavia? <laughs> there were less of them. Yeah. <laughs> at Strauss Stadium, which was, uh, let's say, an exile stadium for us, for Slavia. Uh, Strauss is the, one of the biggest stadiums in Europe, right? Yeah, but you have two stadiums there. You uh-huh. have this big uh, two, stadium. 200,000 people stadium or something. Yeah, yeah. I think 100,000 people uh, could have fit it in. Mm. But... Uh, you have a um, small athletic stadium next to it. Uh-huh. It's a stadium of Evgen Roshitsky and it can fit, I don't know, 20,000 people or okay. a little less. So Slavia was playing their home matches there. Mm-hmm. We went there uh, and uh, we kind of enjoyed it because it was uh, the time when the current Ultras group was slowly forming mm-hmm. thanks to one guy who kind of like took the effort and and started this thing and... The atmosphere was, in, in a lot of ways, more quiet. Mm. You know, less lesser people, uh, a new group, let's say. Mm. But what we enjoyed it, it was nice. Uh, and we soon we we didn't go to the ultra sector right away. We were going to to the stand up to this ultra sector for some time. But when uh, then after, I think several months we decided okay we're going down because that's the place where the it's fun is. interesting mm. but when we talk about ultras in football because i think actually i think ultras has kind of a bad name in football in some way because it that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a hooligan yeah i think uh, people should distinguish mm. these terms mm. because uh, you're either ultra or hooligan but uh, if you are both then you're probably hooligan because you know the the ultras it's they have some different uh, agenda let's say mm. at least but ultras at least is here. basically at least here. ultras if you what is an ultra it really differs from region to region yeah, but, but here? in here in Czech Republic I, I would describe it as a person that uh, that's willing to sacrifice a lot of things to for their club they're going to the matches regularly they're going to away matches they spend the whole match cheering and supporting the club. They are willing to give up a lot of time and a lot of money mm. to create choreographies by pyrotechnics and stuff like that. A, and then the club is really like uh, the top thing in their life or one of the most important things in their life. And they're willing to bring sacrifices. Uh, mm. But if you're a hooligan, then you you are you know okay with you know fighting other people just because of uh, the color of the jersey they're wearing <laughs> and that's completely different thing and you don't really have to be violent when you're a part of ultras mm. but uh, it really differs from region to region and as, as i said because i think when you are an ultra ultra guy uh, in i don't know southern country countries in mm. croatia or greece from my point of view it seems like yeah a lot more people are willing to join these like casually occurring fights when when there's a chance you know it's yeah. yeah but uh but it, like in italy i think it's in ac milan i think i read this article they they for example they're the ultras controlling 
or I don't know if it was uncovered, like some scam, that they had all the ticket sales, you know, and that was somehow, they were, they, they, but in, in return, they were promising to not to make trouble in the stadium. So the, the club and the ultras made some sort of a agreement under the table that the ultras would do the ticketing and sell the tickets and make money off it. But in return, there wouldn't be no fighting in the stadium. Okay, I didn't didn't read the story, but it's an interesting one. Uh, but it's an essential problem mm. for let's say ultras in general, the relationship between the group and the club, mm. because if you if you run the ultras group, you somehow have to get along with the club, or you end up you know uh, arguing about about uh, meaningless things, and you might have, might end up you know being thrown of the stadium for for some shitty reasons and do you see it uh, quite often that uh, there are clubs that don't mind pushing the ultras guys from the stadium just to you know avoid any troubles and stuff like that i think there's a good balance uh, in that in slavia that the slavia ultras they at least from my point of view they have some say decent relationships relationship with, with the club but it was not always like that there, mm. were, there were even times when we were boycotting the home games and stuff like that there were there was a time when 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 the guys invaded the vip zone and and caused some troubles must have been fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wasn't at this match to be honest i was <laughs> i was i was on vacation but mm. but one of my best friends uh it was there and i saw him in the pictures and i was like yeah if i saw you in the pictures i think police saw you as well so yeah maybe you will you <laughs> will have some problems and i think he did but it was nothing nothing serious but that's that's the thing you have to find a balance but mm. if you are you know cutting some deals with the club and you are limiting your let's say liberty to do whatever you want uh it uh, it makes you look shitty in the ultra subculture as a whole so if they were if they cut the deal that uh, okay we won't be causing any troubles if you uh, you know allow us to make some money that's that's complete rubbish and i know from one of my friends in porto in portugal Mm. Uh, she told me that the the main guy from the from the ultras dragoish, the, the ultras uh, group from Porto, uh, he's uh, receiving an envelope every month from the from club. The club. Just you know, like keep the guys in the boundaries and mm. don't cause any troubles. And you don't see any troubles at Porto games. You know, outside the stadium, they might get into fights and stuff like that. But in the stadium, they are they are really like behaving okay. Mm. But that's. I mean that that must also be like uh, uh, partially because football has become a big business. I mean, like it's uh, now it's not like uh, the clubs are not owned by the fans. I mean, in Germany, the fans are still owning fifty plus one uh, percent of, of of the of the clubs. But in in a lot of other countries, that has just become like a I don't know, like some investment fund bought it or. A, like here, you have a Chinese owner now in in Slavia, and uh, you know we 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 see this. So, so it's a different thing. Like you know, like that guy would never be there if Slavia was two thousand five hundred people watching them at Strahov. You know, like he, he, that's not interesting. So, what I I guess that these owners need to do, like the American investors in the English football and 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 so on, they they need a clean business where there is no where they can attract families and people that are willing to buy, you know, one beer and three colas and seven hot dogs and one T-shirt, because those are much better fans for the for the money than me and you. 
Because if we go regularly to a stadium, we're not going to be buying this stuff all the time. We're, we're just going to buy once a year, maybe the shirt, you know. We're not. But so it's much better for them to have a rotation of different people coming that are buying. So it becomes kind of like an, a tourist attraction almost, you know. Yeah. And and that, there you, you can't have families coming in with, you know, yeah, here's my five-year-old son, and then there's just some ultra showing his butt, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. It doesn't really belong together. Yeah, it does not. Um, okay, where to start? Yeah, the football is a, is a great business. Mm. Uh, not really sure if you know all the owners are making money, but in the top leagues, uh, with the top clubs, you probably are able to find a way how to make some money of it. But uh, I think more importantly, it's a, it's a marketing product, and that's the main reason why you can't really allow people to cause troubles in your matches mm. and you can see it you can see it nowadays with i don't know the let's say racist abuses mm. because every time when someone you know accuses some other football player or the fans of racist behavior it's always it's always causing uh, a great havoc in the media mm. and it's bad for your business yeah. because if you own Image, a club that's um, labeled racist. as a racist club you are in troubles and you don't want that so you might end up you know taking some measurements even though you don't really fully investigate what what was the problem how mm. it originated if the accusations are correct and that's that's really crazy but that's the thing it's it's a it's a marketing product and mm. that's why that's why you know those uh, organizations like uh, UEFA and, and others FIFA UEFA and, and those those organizations they they are more willing to punish harshly something that can destroy the marketing image, you know, mm. uh, rather than other other things. So mm. I don't know if, if if two players fight, okay, they will be probably banned for I don't know five matches or something like that. But mm. if if some player shouts something racist uh, at uh, the other player, he probably will be out of the game for at least ten matches or something like that. Even though we you know he, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's yeah, a different, it's, it's, yeah, different you can, discussion. You can, you yeah, know? yeah, you can't you really can, compare it. I mean, we we, can, yeah. we have these cases like this. Um, um, there was this guy, uh, some South American player that called Negrito to yeah, Luis Suarez. Yeah, I think yeah, and, yeah, and and I mean, it's a it's a completely there. It's a completely acceptable term, but in 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 this fucking uh, ivory tower uh, of wokeness, then that's not accepted and. And then they punish, you know, they want to punish people for something that is just perfectly normal. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great example, let's say, because they didn't really, they didn't really uh, take into account that, yeah, in his language, it's completely okay. Mm. And there was a similar case, I think, two years ago, maybe one year ago, uh, a French club. Not really sure if it was Paris Saint Germain or Lyon or some, some club like that. Maybe French national team. I don't really know. They were playing. Uh, uh, a game and there were Romanian referees and one of the assistant referees there there was some havoc on the on the bench and uh, I don't know players nearly fought or something like that or someone shouted something at the referee yeah, and it's and the black main, guy that did it yeah, and the main referee came and he was like which one was that oh. and this Romanian guy told like okay this was this black guy oh, the, but yeah. he said it in the Romanian language which yeah. is like uh, similar to Negro. French and Spanish yeah, yeah so he said a word like that this n-word but completely normal in, mm. in the context of Romanian language yeah. and, uh, and the only way to think I mean he could have said it was the white guy 
Yeah, but that's the it thing. wasn't the yeah. white guy. And the team, they were like, oh, what the fuck, this guy is mm. racist. We're leaving the pitch. And they mm. left. And then mm. it took some time. And I think it was the, ga- the game was finished the next day. Mm. They even didn't return yeah, they for didn't the game. The pin, yeah. And the guy was, he was receiving a lot of like criticism. People were giving him the worst nicknames. And yeah. really from my point of view, if, if I was there and the, the referee asked me which one was that, I wouldn't be like searching for the number. I would say like, yeah, this it's black guy, but it, you know, in my he language, is, he is black. In, in my language, it's not the N word, so it would be probably not that problematic you for the Cherny, team. You would say Cherny, you would say Cherny, but but yeah. it, but the guy is fucking black. Yeah, he so is. So why why is yeah. that bad to to say? I mean, just like you are white, and someone is brown, and someone is yellow, and 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 uh, you know, I'm I'm called the guy with the beard. Yeah. But okay, the but that's one. just a very good. That's just a very good way to separate me. You know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I don't really want to... <coughs> no, no, uh, it's a very long discussion. Yeah, it's a dis- yeah. long discussion and, yeah. you know, I'm not really, you know, I, I hate people that are behaving in a racist way and it's happening in football matches, even in Czech Republic, mm. so let, let's not pretend it's not happening. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. But you can't really overdo that because then you are only making a case for the racist people, you know, because... Exactly. You, you push them yeah, to, to, yeah. to be even more racist because of stupidity. And, and you push normal people to think about uh, the, you know, people of different colors in a different way because mm. they then appear like uh, they are, they are exaggerating, mm. that's the word. Like if you, if you overdo this and you don't do it right, then you make a lot of people radical, mm. even though they were not really radical caring before, that much yeah. before. But um, um, what were we talking about? Yes, uh, we were talking about that football has become a business, so that you know the ultras are maybe not the perfect thing that they can imagine having there. But talking a little bit about this, because since football has become a business, then that also means that there is a lot of people interested in investing in football that wouldn't have invested before. And it, and it's a it's a little bit funny because. Um, I heard people here in, in, in the Czech Republic talk about how uh, they're Chinese owners, Chinese owners in, in, in Slavia. And uh, is there a good or a bad owner? Does that exist in football? You know, Do you know what I mean? Is it? Yeah, I think I know what you mean, but uh, that's, that really depends because you can have a good owner, mm. but probably the ideal owner from a perspective of a football fan is a you know, long-term football fan of the club, mm. which somehow, who somehow made money and now he's willing to invest back to the club he loves. So that's probably the... the it's a Cinderella story. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you, you had those owners in, uh, I don't know, in Italy. In Italy, there, was, mm. there were these, like, big families running mm. the clubs. I think the last one who, who the last family that sold their club you know, one of those biggest were the family owning AS Roma, mm. which I think they sold several years ago, maybe 10 years already, I'm not really sure. But this is probably a great, mm. great case or good scenario. But then you have those companies and those billionaires that just, uh, I, I don't know, want to have something in their brand. They want to have fun. They want to maybe make money from that, but uh, if they don't uh, care that much about the club, they don't understand the club's culture, 
it's it can be problematic. And uh, before the the podcast, we discussed this example of Newcastle United, which yeah. is okay, it's but uh, that's <laughs> for me Newcastle United is a really interesting example because there they had an owner, Mike Astley, who who showed up in the t-shirt and matches. He was just amongst the fan. He had a beer. He even had a fucking beer belly, you know, and 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 you think, okay, you couldn't ask for more. He's one of us, and he is exactly this guy. He he made money. He he he's a self-made man. He didn't get anything for free. He didn't have any oil well in the back of his yard or anything like that. All his money is his own, and then they hated him, and they and 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 they hated him for being. They were criticizing him for being there in the t-shirt drinking beer. You know, and then when he stopped doing that, then they criticized him for supporting the club. And what did they get in return? Yeah. Saudi Arabian yeah. money. Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure. You know, I don't. I did not follow Newcastle and Mike Ashley that much, so I don't really know where all the, let's say, uh, all the emotions originated. Came from. No, no, and I don't yeah, know the so details of it either. So maybe they were just expecting expecting him to invest more they they thought when he came that the club would be more successful or there were some other problems along the way mm. that i'm not uh, aware of mm. but uh what you said is uh, definitely right that uh but is the chinese guy from slavia did he play for slavia before but then when <laughs> made money and came back <laughs> no and those uh, this is even like uh it's a probably a but there was a scenario. political issue here about this, right? Also, yeah, this China is still a political issue, probably mm. everywhere in Europe. But mm. uh, uh, you know, the the Saudis and the Chinese are probably a similar scenario in a way that they are closely connected with the government of their respective countries. Yeah. So it's a it's a different thing than than this Mike Ashley and all other billionaires. So they they probably should have liked him more than the Saudis. Mm. And now they are celebrating Saudis for taking over the club. And it's, uh, it's uh, you know, there's no no honor in that because they were mocking Manchester City for being owned by, yeah. you know, oil Qatar, money yeah. companies and, and owner. Mm. And suddenly they are celebrating the same thing happening to them. And, the, you know, guys dressed up, dressed as Saudis dancing in the streets, you know, and having I don't know Saudi scarves and, and, mm. and costumes, it's it's really uh, like I don't know they're mocking <laughs> their own culture, I think. Yeah, but I think that this is just one more proof that money does whatever money wants to do because, you know, the same Premier League is 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 preaching diversity and and uh, human rights and and you know if you're a gay football player, come out of, uh, come out and don't be afraid, then we will support you and then. I mean, if you would then send that player to play a game in in, in Saudi Arabia, they could they could kill him. I mean, it's fucking it's punishable as a as a as a crime, you know. So I I I just yeah, I think you know, like it's um yeah, and maybe eventually we as football fans have lost to money, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I think we did mm. at least for those big leagues and big clubs. Not in Germany. In uh, Germany, they still have it under control. Yeah, but they also made some exceptions along the years, and mm. that's also why everyone in Germany hates Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, because they have this guy. Yeah, uh, and they, they have the Red Bull. Red and then, Bull. And then uh, there is this also this guy in Hoffenheim, I think, there is some... Yeah, that's uh, Dietmar Hopp. I'm not yeah, really sure if yeah. that's the name. The guy guy who, I think, founded SAP system. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is an exception. Exception from. But I this. liked it. I saw. Did you see the video from Munich when they were they had they were protesting at the there was the shareholder meeting and 
and the fans stood up. It was last week or something. And they haven't seen this. No, but that was like they had this full theater of fans and then some old guy on stage talking bullshit and they were unhappy and, and so they started chanting, we are the club, not you. And, and and they stopped the meeting. It was it was actually I was very happy to see this as a football fan because I mean, yeah, I I I I started following football when it was very much the regular people that went to the stadium. It wasn't this tourist industry like in England now and and in a lot of I mean Spain. I've been to Barcelona. I mean it's the tourist tourist thing. Um, but so. Ultras are not always hooligans, and hooli- but hooligans can sometimes be ultras and, and hooligans as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. But who are these, like, because it's such an interesting thing to, if you look at this sport, I mean, there are never fights on handball matches, or very rarely, you know? It's 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 not like, an in, in a basketball, it's not a lot, you know? You don't see anyone going out of the Wimbledon tennis tournament and then, yeah, let's fight. Yeah. What, what, what is this? Is this some primitive... Angry men that have no way of getting rid of energy or... Okay, um, first thing, uh, you see people fighting at volleyball matches and basketball matches and handball matches, mm. but it's probably in the regions where it's really like a common part of the ultras culture and they are supporting even those, let's say, smaller sports. Mm. Uh, I don't know, mostly you can see it in Greece because the away fans are banned from uh, from any any football matches so it's always just home fans on greek football matches which is crazy mm. but then you see them coming to basketball games and having fights and you see them coming to you know women handball matches and, and starting a fight you know 50 against 50 so it's it's really crazy so it's more about the fighting than the sport uh, for some of them. For some of them, definitely. But then you also, I don't know, you, you watch Panathinaikos fans go to women volleyball and what the atmosphere they can create there is absolutely amazing. So mm. it's always, it has pros and cons. But yeah, they they find they can find proxy sports if, if they are pushed out of football. And that, I mean, I saw videos from Poland where they were organizing meeting up in some fucking field mm-hmm. just to fight, you know, between no, Lech Poznan and some other team. I don't remember exactly. I mean, it's many, many years... And that just like there was no match, nothing. They didn't even have a, a radio that was broadcasting a match. They just they just went there to fight. But what's the stereotype here? I mean, is there a stereotype? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people and even researchers uh, have tried to you know solve this over the years. And uh, I can imagine that uh, a lot of years back, uh, you could have found a lot of like common common uh, things that mm. connect one hooligan to another but I think this also changed a lot and now you can see you can see people that are you know unemployed unemployed and properly dumb mm. and you know you, they, they go to a fight and uh, next to them is a guy who I don't know runs an office of 100 people and is uh, you know earning a, quite a decent salary but uh, I'm not really sure if you can if you can tell that uh Hooligans are recruited from one social group mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think maybe most of them, but then you know those people that I mentioned, they kind of like break this uh, break this narrative. Mm. So I mean, and we see it actually because if we look at hooliganism in you know we it's not like bound to specific countries, um, and we have countries where, like in 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 the Netherlands, 
let's take Denmark as an example, you know, like the fights there. It was like when I lived in Copenhagen and, and, and the two local teams had played, the rival teams had played each other. The town was like a war zone. It was, it, I've, you know, it's it's crazy, and and and, the, and Denmark is probably one of the most educated country in the world, not just in Europe, but in the fucking world, and the best place to live and whatever. But still, people go fucking bananas for a football match. Same in Holland, same in Germany. But I mean, okay, maybe a little bit less in Germany because Germans are being Germans. But uh, and 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 it's so interesting because. Yeah, like you say, I mean, it might be an investment banker that just goes once a week to beat up someone, you know? Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a riddle that mm. I'm not really sure we can crack. But uh, I think from my point of view, and I, I thought about this a lot, um, you can connect those people maybe with some, you know, family background, like, oh, okay, where do... And it would probably require some psychological yeah. <laughs> research. But um. from my point of view, if you are... If you are a hooligan, you um, have some limits when it comes to social and emotional intelligence. Because mm. if you are a person that's okay, you know, beating the shit out of someone wearing a different jersey or a scarf of a club you don't like, there's probably something wrong with you yeah, from the perspective psycho, psycho of the society. And mm. there's a lot of there are a lot of things that attract, but that's bankers. Yeah. That's definitely bank. <laughs> yeah, it can be. It can and be. money people. You know, and there's a lot of tension in mm. the society and you don't really always have a way where to let all those emotions out. Uh, for me for me a football game is a great place to do that, but I'm I'm you know okay to do that in the stands maybe you know on some courtiers and stuff like that, but but it's a different level. If mm. you take it to this level that okay I'll, I want I want this adrenaline you know of you know mm. chasing the guys along uh, you know across the streets and fighting and, and you know you can't really you can you you got to have your friends backs and you know there's a camaraderie it's an, adre- it's an ad- adrenaline in it you know yeah. it's a yeah but it's a it's a group of its own you know mm. you you have probably a friendship that's more deep than among uh, other other groups mm. in at football matches you you know meet those guys even you know uh, outside of those you know weekends and in, mm. in, in those arranged fights with, when you mentioned it's them. like a, it's like a band of brothers you know yeah yeah and you know you go nowadays you you go to gym or mm. you know three times a week at least to train with those same guys that mm. you then go to the field and have fight against other team Mm. So yeah, that's it. But uh, they are invested in the club. They follow the club. They go to the matches. They don't always can be considered as ultras because you really often, at least in Czech Republic, you often see hooligans that are just you know chatting in the in the ultra sector and you know just being there and, and uh, feeling strong. And they are, mm-hmm. but uh, they're, they're not. not really they're not there for the football. Yeah, not not for the football and not to you know support the club that mm. ma- that much as many other people in the ultra sector are. And but I'm not I'm not there for football as well. I'm just there for, for the, the atmosphere. atmosphere yeah. yeah, but you have had some issues. I mean, you I mean you can't go to so many matches and be part of the ultras and 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 be a hardcore fan without getting into trouble. So what what kind of trouble have you gotten into? Yeah, I think uh, it started even in this age of 14 when I uh, mm. attended first matches of Slavia. And then when we started to go to the ultra sector, we befriended some guys. And they were having occasionally fights with uh, people from Sparta. Mm. And because we were, <laughs> me and this guy that I already talked about, when we were 
getting back to the town from from Strahov, uh, they quite often like chased us in at the metro station and stuff like that. And mm. uh, this was something common in in past years. Uh, you know, Sparta fans were quite often chasing Slavia fans when we were returning from away games. So it was not that uh, not that uh, special that he, when you when you returned uh, from an away game by train it was you know i don't know 30 minutes after midnight you arrived from an exhausting away game by mm. the train and at the train station there there were 30 sparta hooligans waiting, waiting for your for train you. and <laughs> so yeah th- these things happened have you got any injuries or or you know been beaten or I just once uh, I was properly, properly, let's say, beaten, but even this story is somehow shitty. Mm. Uh, we were, I think, 15. It was a derby day, so we, we played at Letna Stadium against Sparta, and me and uh, two other friends, we were going uh, out from the stadium. There were some guys, you know, saying something. We chanted something back, and they started to fight us. They were really drunk, mm. so I was okay. No, nothing happened to me. My other one of those guys ran away, mm. and that was the last time we went to a football game with him because, like, you know, you can't do that really to your friends. Mm. And this other guy, he, yeah, he, you'd never run away when something like this is happening. You can, you know, yeah. you either run all of you if yeah. you feel like that, or you or just you stand, yeah, and you stand your ground yeah. and help your friends. Mm. So uh, this other guy, he was fighting this this drunken Sparta fan, and and this guy that I was supposed to fight, he was like really drunk, so he he was not able to to punch me even once. Mm. And then it ended somehow, and we went down the street. And I don't know, 300 meters away from this place where where, where this happened, mm. suddenly someone like uh, tapped my shoulder. I turned around. I got hit to the face. I fell down, and someone kicked me in the face. And mm. that was it. That was the whole thing. But uh, luckily for me, I have this thing that you know fixes your uh, teeth. I'm not, uh-huh. I don't know what it's called. Was it called braces? Braces. Yeah, I uh-huh. had braces, so uh, my teeth remained in my mouth. But when uh-huh. I went to the dentist, she said to me, "Okay, yeah." Good thing you had the braces because otherwise probably you had yeah there would be there would be a lot of teeth out mm. teeth out and uh, yeah but you know this is a metal thing in your mouth so it kind of like uh, split my mouth wide open mm. and I had like uh, blood in my mouth for a week and it was really not a great experience but it was an experience. But, yeah. the, but but like with something like this, you didn't think I'm never going back. No, no, that's what my mom was <laughs> thinking because mm. I was 15 and she was like completely crazy about it. But uh, yeah, I wanted to go. I did, this was something that I knew uh, I could have avoided, and mm. I knew how to avoid it. Yeah, next so time. you learned from it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's great. Um, but you, so you, I mean, yeah, you told me you've been, you went to Split, um, you've been to football matches in Poland, you've been football matches in Greece. Um, and then when you lived in Spain, you, I guess you went to see Barcelona. Yeah, I went there because I like Barcelona. Mm. I won't say like I'm a proper fan, but you know, in a way that you can support a club that's abroad. Mm. I like Barcelona, so I went there. I wanted to see, uh, you know, Messi playing at, at No Camp. Yeah. 
So I, I did. They were playing, I think, Celta Vigo, and and as usually every second season they they lose some points against Celta Vigo at home. And uh-huh. I even checked that later, and it's true. They really are strong against them. I, th- <laughs> I think I actually saw them win Celta Vigo four one. Yeah, yeah. On 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 uh, on. But w- what did you? Because I remember when I went to to Camp Nou in 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 uh, Barcelona the first time. I I went there just for like a tour, like in '92 or something when you were being mm-hmm. born. Then. I was just, I was so amazed how big it is. And then I started going there a little bit later to, to matches and I've seen a few Champions League matches and, and some local matches. And, and and the atmosphere there was so amazing when when it was the right atmosphere. But then I went to see a Celta Vico match and it wasn't really fun, you know? Yeah, I think uh, this is a disease that mm. a lot of big clubs got and that's the thing you know half of the people attending normal usual matches are are tourists and in barcelona they have this system when you buy a season ticket mm. and then you are able via an official system of the club to sell your place for some matches mm-hmm. you can even like get some money back so they kind of like pay for your season ticket if you are okay to go just to several matches a season mm. because the club keep some amount of money so they make extra money on that on as well. Those, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and some money goes to your, you know, uh It's pay, all about your, money. Your it's always payment. money. Yeah. Money, money, money. You said money 10 times now. Yeah, but that's the thing uh, mm. people people can get the season ticket and mm. there's probably a long waiting list to get one and they don't go to every match. They just go to some matches and mm. uh the other matches kind of like pay pay for the season ticket. It's probably good for the fans. You can't you can't be the type of fan that needs to see your club every second week mm. because you are you know you know you are giving up of a lot of games. But these are the games as we are have mentioned, like Celta Vigo game. Yeah. It's, it's not that interesting. But my girlfriend, I think ex girlfriend, she was there for a derby against Espanyol, and she said the atmosphere was amazing. Yeah. So probably these guys, you know, they just come to you know Real Madrid game, Atletico, Espanyol, yeah, and yeah. those big yeah, matches. Big matches. Yeah. And those uninteresting matches, uh, they they leave this to the tourists. Yeah. But. Um, a little bit maybe about the ultras and 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 the hooligans that I forgot to ask you. Like, are there any girls in this? Because it's a very male. I mean, uh, what you see is just males, males, males. Yeah, you see mostly males, uh, mm-hmm. and it's uh, let's say mostly males of culture. But uh, you see even a lot of girls, uh, and uh, you even see uh, girls that are forming hooligan groups, mm. not here in Czech Republic, at least I don't know about any or any you know meaningful, let's say. Mm. But I think in Russia it's becoming bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. They have arranged fights between women hooligans group. You can find videos of that online. And and it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And how Actually, talking about men and women, because I went to see uh, Sparta uh, against an Icelandic team in the Champions League, a female Champions League, um, two years ago or so, two or three maybe. And that that what was interesting also there is that most of the people were men who were watching. There wasn't really women there either. Yeah, the thing is... Uh, are women not into football or, or... I think they are, but they go mostly to the you know men football mm. competitions and uh, in Czech Republic uh, women f- 
football is not uh, such a big thing. Mm. Uh, you know, you can do, I think the absolute records are several thousand people coming to either Slavia or Sparta game in Champions League after a huge, let's say, ad campaign, yeah, yeah, promotion uh, from the club and, and stuff like that. So then this happens, but if you go to a normal league match, there might be, I don't know, several dozens or hundreds of people. Mm. But uh, I think these are still... M- for those big matches, these are still mostly men because they are driven there by the love for the club, not probably yeah, not necessarily the, that particular yeah. match or yeah, anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then that is the thing that you know the, the hardcore fans are mostly mostly men. Mm. Um, so a little bit now, I wanted to talk a little bit about that small club that you're following. Also, the, this SS Ostra. Why, why did you guys? St- so that's in the like the sixth tier. Um, you show up there as far as I can hear. You guys show up with the uh, fireworks. Um, I mean, there's a proper ultra following of this club, yeah. which is probably something that they didn't expect, right? Yeah, definitely, and uh, I, I can't <laughs> blame them. Uh, we showed up uh, the first time in, I think, 2015. Mm. Uh, we were going back then regularly to a weekend or holiday house of my friend, uh, the same friend that I shared the passion for Balkan region with, uh-huh. <laughs> and we have uh, we have birthdays. Uh, I don't know several years, several sorry, several, several days, days, yeah, yeah, from, from each, each other. other. So we were celebrating a birthday together mm. for some years, and uh, the parties took place usually took place at this house. And one day uh, we were like, okay, what well, what will be the program? Because the parties usually lasted for five days. We were young back That's then. That's really good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so th- th- there were a lot of people coming, you know, they were changing, you know, someone stayed for one night, yeah. someone stayed for for whole five days. It was like we, a summer festival. Yeah, a small one, mm. uh, but still a festival. And uh, we were like, okay, what, what should we do? And he said, yeah, there's a, there's a, you know, pre-season friendly match of this, you know, club from this shitty uh, low league. And I was mm. like, okay, let's go there. But if we are going there, it it has no sense to do it, uh, you know, in a in a boring way. So let's, uh, you know, buy a drum, let's buy uh, the, you know, megaphone, let's buy the pyrotechnics, let's make some chants and some mm. uh, choreo and stuff like that. And we did all these things and we showed up. I don't know how many of us went, maybe 15, 20 people. Uh-huh. And we started chanting the chants and we, we were lighting up the pyrotechnics. We had the drum. And, and you didn't really know that team? No, I knew nothing about them. I knew the name. I knew the things that you can read on their website. So there's not really much of, of uh-huh. information you can find up. You can find. So it was just really for fun. And uh, the players... But they, but they must uh, have been very... Super- it was amazing. This has never happened to them. <laughs> it was amazing. The, the players, they were really like uh, extra, mm. extra excited. And then the coach came and he was like, oh yeah, this is, you know, you were amazing, but you have to come for a, for a competition game, you know, for, uh, for a league game. Just the preseason. Yeah, preseason friendly. And we are like, yeah, we were in this great mood. You know, it was summer. We were super excited. We were drunk and we enjoyed it a lot because mm. it was like football on a different uh, and new uh, level, level for us. Yeah. So we were like, yeah, okay, yeah, we will come definitely in the autumn. You will see us again. And mm. it happened. Uh, we didn't come, I don't know, with uh, 20 people. We came, I don't know, 10 people. Uh, but since then, we are coming uh, regularly. 
And I think the the most of us, when when there was the most of us, I think there were maybe 25 people at once. But mm. uh, usually there are like 10 to 15 people. Yeah, I remember when Marek, my, my, the guy that connected us, told me about it. I said, Marek, you don't even know anything about football. He said, no, but this was fun. Yeah, he hates football, actually. Yeah, he, he doesn't know shit. I asked him, do you, uh, did you like Messi or Ronaldo? He said, who are they? In what, what band are they? You know, he doesn't know anything about football, you know, and, and uh, he's a metal guy, like a death metal, heavy metal guy, which I also like, but I also like football. You can do both. Yeah. And uh, But he told me about it. I was like, this is so cool. So so you guys show up. How many other f- people are in the stands on, on their matches? Usually 200 people come to uh-huh. every league game, uh, 150 or till to, to 200, and they are just sitting in front of the pub on those... Uh, I don't know how to call yeah, it. Benches, benches, yeah, benches, benches yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but yeah, people people come there in quite a decent numbers. I okay, think. yeah, I think two two hundred people is not not bad for the sixth tier, you know. But and and but how, what did the other fans think about you when you and when you go to away games with this team? I mean, like and pyro and and drum and megaphone and and chants and all that. I mean. Yeah, they're always surprised, you can tell. Mm-hmm. But we also encountered some other smaller groups of similar-minded people uh-huh. in, in some matches. Um, we, for example, went to to Most in northern yeah. Bohemia. Uh, uh-huh. There was this club called Banik Soch. Mm. And there were, I don't know, 50 people altogether. But there were eight people with a drum and chanting and stuff like that. So mm. we, had, uh, we had some rivals in the stands, but it was really, really nice to see someone trying the same, at yeah, this yeah. level to create the atmosphere yeah and they were probably like you, you should respect those guys more because they probably come every every second week you know to every home game we mm. just do this occasionally but it was really great to see this and uh, i think it's happening on you know at more clubs or smaller clubs mm. nowadays and uh yeah it's just really yeah, I'll, jo- I'll join you actually i would i, I would I, i'm gonna come with you yeah, yeah, that's great. It's open for anyone who yeah. wants to attend. So next time, next time, I will let you know. I will add yeah. you to our group, uh, Facebook group, and uh, you will be informed right That'll away. Be great. Um, but what's the difference? I mean, like, so, so because you follow one big team that has been pretty successful over the last few years. I've been to some of their Champions League matches, and it's it's great. And the, you know, there is something going on there. They're buying young, talented players, selling players. They've sold players to West Ham in England, you know. And and um, so it's a it's this is two di- very different worlds, you know. To go to a Slavia game and Estos Ostra, what, what what's the biggest difference? I mean, apart from the noise and yeah, uh, a lot of differences, but mainly it's probably about the freedom because you can do basically anything you want to. Mm. We we don't always. For example, we don't always light up pyrotechnics uh, during the during the half times because sometimes uh, on, the, we, on the small yeah we sometimes I sometimes yeah I sometimes discuss this with the referee before the game. <laughs> I just come to the referee and I'm like, okay, can we light up pyrotechnics? Will you make trouble for the club because they are you know they are poor, yeah. they can't pay any fines, and even like ten thousand crowns for pyrotechnics is quite a lot for them. And yeah. we just and then there is <laughs> there is ten guys with me, so we don't want to pay one thousand crowns for, for one. Person, yeah. <laughs> so I sometimes you know cut a cut some bargain with the referee or, or the match. And that you would never be able to do on Slavia. Uh, definitely not. And uh, you know you can do whatever you want there. You can mm. you know you can go and have some beers. You can we you know smoke chant, weed. 
chant whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, I don't do that. But no, you no, can. No, but those you who want, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you can you can chant anything you want. We just make fun of the football, maybe the opposition opposition players, but in a nice way. We are mm. not vulgar. And we're just having fun, you know, we're dancing, inventing new chants and really like enjoying enjoying ourselves in a way that you are not able to do on those big matches where, mm. where everything's scheduled, you need to follow some rules. Mm. You have those like ultras guys that, you know, you can't really uh, piss off with something you, you you want to do. So, yeah, it's it's really like, I don't know, absolute freedom. You can enjoy football in a way that you can't do the, mm. uh, in, in a big league match. No, um, but do you feel like, do you think that people are going more to, to those smaller teams now that, that, you know, most of all the tickets to the big games are more expensive, they're more difficult to find, there are more rules, right now you need to show some pa- COVID passport to get into a game, are you like, and, and, and then, yeah, the atmosphere actually sometimes isn't great because it's full of tourists, I mean, not necessarily here, but I mean, if we think... In the big leagues, in you know, like Spain, England, Italy, uh, and, and so on, do you think people are going more to that local support? Yeah, uh, I think so, and uh, I, I hope I'm not wrong, and I hope it's not just to think that it's like more visible because of the social media and stuff. But mm-hmm. from my point of view, in especially in last two years, you see more uh, groups coming to lower league matches uh, to just enjoy. You know those things that I mentioned. You know they yeah, are the lighting freedom, up yeah, the pyrotechnics. Yeah. They're they they're chanting whatever they want. They're having some beers, and in the end, what's great, you can go uh, to grab some beers with the players and uh, and the coach. You know, and it's something you want you want experience uh, at the mm. big clubs. But uh, also, it might be what you mentioned. You know, uh, it's uh, more difficult nowadays to go to a football match. You have to have the COVID pass. You if you are out of the, you know. In my case, out of Prague, you have to travel. Yeah. Sometimes you have to invest more yeah. into going to this uh, big match than you have to invest if you are going to your local club mm. where where you can experience a completely different things. Mm. And also one thing that uh, occurred to me, I think uh, even those, let's say, couch fans, they might be you know tempted to go to their local clubs because it's so easy nowadays to bind by a program that will you know show you la liga and premier league and Liga and, and all those big leagues uh, yeah and you can watch this all day yeah. because all day there's a big football going on so you probably you you even might get fed up with this because uh, a lot of years back when there was a one channel that's a check channel that started to broadcast one premier league match a week mm. everybody was like oh great premier yeah. league you know yeah. it's so amazing and a lot of people watch that and nowadays i think you know you can turn on your television and watch it's, any match you yeah. want I, it, i remember when i when i when i bought my first uh, subscription to to oh, they changed it I, i i think when i was in denmark i think one week and i had 30 i watched 13 matches of football in different leagues over one weekend you <laughs> okay. know And 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 to be honest, it stopped being special. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And 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 I I I, I yeah, I was consuming too much of it. You know, I was getting too much football. It sounds weird, but uh, no, yeah. that's that's probably the thing. You know, mm. you can watch any game. You can watch great football, mm. but then it's just every game is the same as the game mm. before, mm. and you don't have anything special about it. But mm. then you go to this local club, and it's always special in a way. Maybe mm. not always, but most of the times I think it is. Mm. Um, 
who I know I probably know the answer to this. Who has the worst fans? The worst fans. Mm. Okay. Here in this country. Okay, I, I should probably say Sparta, right? Yeah, uh, that's what I would expect. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I would I would go with Sparta mm. because uh yeah, I have a lot of bad experiences with them, you know, I don't know, they they try to steal a lot of stuff from me, you know, scars and stuff like that. They, I, I got into some fights with Sparta fans. But if, if I would have a Sparta fan here and ask him who are who was the worst fans in, in the Czech Republic, what would uh, he say? Probably, Slavia. probably Slavia or Bani Gostrava, mm. because you have this like um, a food chain <laughs> in the world of football, mm. and it's it's a completely uh, other thing <laughs> to talk about. But uh, for a long period of time, it was like that that you have uh, Bani Gostrava hooligans, and mm. no one you know stood a chance against them. Maybe Sparta sometimes did because they were able to gather a lot of people for hooligan arranged hooligan fights. Mm. Uh, so you would have, you know, Bani Kostrava that probably were able to uh, beat Sparta on most of occasions. Then you had Sparta hooligans who were, you know, beating Slavia hooligans and chasing Slavia fans after their home and away matches. Mm. And then it's really funny because once I was sitting in a pub after a Slavia game and, and one friend came to me and he was like, yeah, come with us. And we're like, okay, where are you going? Some other pub or what? No, no, no. We're going to the train station. Bo- Bohemian fans, they they are returning from their away game. We will we will fight them. We will beat them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Why? And he was like, oh, no, it's something we do now. And I'm like, okay, so you you are cha- we are chased by Sparta fans every week. Yeah. So but now we pick on someone so, yeah, smaller. Yeah. So we pick on Bohemia, <laughs> Bohemians fans. Yeah. And what what should they do? You know, what should Bohemians fans do? Or should they you know go start? Shishko, yes. Shishko. Should they start beating Victoria Shishko fans yeah. because there are only like twenty of them? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, 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 what the fuck? And he's like, oh, it's great. Come with us. You know, you will experience something. I'm like, no, no, thank you. But uh, it was really amusing. I, mm. I thought, okay, this is this is There's a hierarchy. Yeah, and it's somehow changing because uh, nowadays a lot of a uh, lot of teams are making friendships with with clubs from other countries mm. or maybe in in even in Czech Republic, but it's not that common. There was a friendship between I don't know Plzeň and Brno, which kind of ended, but they are still still friendly towards each other. You have you have those Polish guys coming to to Bani Kostrava games and vice versa from mm. from Katowice, and. Uh, Nowadays, you have like Slavia hooligans uh, having uh, good relations with uh, Polish teams, Aglebias or Snowbiets, and they are uh, attending hooligan fights together. They were, uh-huh. they were. It also made some, let's say, I, I would call it Polish actions in in <laughs> recent months, and uh, you know, it involves I don't know going to a to a tournament where <laughs> they knew there there would be some uh, Ostrava fans and, and stealing stuff them, from yeah. them. Yeah, and then, you know, just to reven- have a revenge, uh, there were <laughs> Banik Ostrava, the hooligans, coming to uh, one, I think it was a grilling party of, of one organization that's uh, made by uh, Slavia fans in Moravia. So mm. they came to their, let's say, like private event and <laughs> they, they beat them up. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is... So it's a close call, Sparta and Pranik. I think now, uh, now uh, you Being the worst. can't really uh, exclude Slavia from there. Okay, Banik and uh, Sparta, f- it's like the worst, but other other club fans would probably tell you, okay, now... It might be even Slavia because mm. we have a lot of like uh, fans of success. Mm. So a lot of people would now tell you, okay, I'm a big Slavia fan, even though you, if you ask them like 
four years ago they wouldn't even know who's playing for Slavia. Mm. And uh, also with the hooligan activities, you know, let's say on the rise, not okay, maybe uh, being on the top again mm. at Slavia. Uh, other clubs will will hate Slavia fans more. And attack them more. Uh, but how is it now? Because I mean, Slavia has been selling players to to West Ham, and I think a Czech investor actually bought uh, like thirty percent of 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 the West Ham shares. Are, are we gonna have like? Um, is West Ham gonna be the biggest and most famous club here? For the next 10, 15, 20 years? I'm not sure, but this is funny because uh, West Ham has been followed by a lot of Slavia fans in recent years because uh, currently for West Ham uh, there are three guys mm. uh, playing that were uh, at some point playing for Slavia. Uh, Sufal and... Sufal, uh, Socek and Kral. Yeah. Even though Kral is not playing that much. Mm. And uh, <laughs> now the, the 30% share that you mentioned was bought by Daniel Kretinsky, mm. who is owner of Sparta. Ah, uh, he's an owner of Sparta. <laughs> yeah, so oh, this is shitty for <laughs> you guys. I'm not really sure. I don't really care. I, I no. like I like watching Wesleyan because of those players. Yeah. But uh, and they're good. Yeah. They're actually really yeah. Susik and and, and uh, what's the other uh, Susik and, so and so far, yeah, They're yeah. they're great players. I mean, they they never stop running and yeah yeah. That's and, that, and but and that's yeah. That that was just a little side note that. Um, so you go for the atmosphere. The atmosphere is what draws you to football matches. Yeah, and basically to any match. It doesn't have to be football if I know the atmosphere will be good. Mm. And one of the best experiences I had was a basketball derby in uh, Athens. Mm. Uh, Olympiakos home game in basketball against Panathinaikos mm. uh, because it was a you know, risky match. Again, the away fans were not allowed. But still, you had this like closed arena mm. packed with uh, fans. And uh, the great thing about basketball, and I was really like thinking of, okay, this is probably in some ways more practical than football because if you have a football match, you don't, you know, they play, I don't know, 60 minutes from those 90. Mm -hmm. You have, you, it can be really boring. Yeah, some, yeah. Some basketball is so points. intensive. Yeah, and it's intensive. And it was, it was amazing because the whole stadium was singing chants when mm -hmm. they were on the ball. Mm. When they lost the ball and the Panathinaikos players got the ball, they started booing and whistling, mm. wow. and it was like it and was it's, deafening. It's like this. Yeah, it was deafening. Split second. Yeah, yeah, split second. It was deafening. You know, booing and whistling and stuff like that. And but the the core of the ultra sector was still singing the chants. Mm. And when Olympiakos got the ball again, everybody stopped booing and whistling. Mm. You could have heard the chants again, and everybody yeah. started singing again. Yeah. So it was like deafening yeah. noise. All you know, all, all the all the game. So so, but I can't tell. I can't. We can't leave it, David. That that a football fan, an ultra, uh, a follower of a sixth tier team, tells me that his best experience was in a basketball game. What's the best football experience you had? What like what game was the best atmosphere? Okay, uh, I would probably have to go with uh, with this Hajduk game mm -hmm. because it was a hundred year birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People went mental there. Uh, and then I have a lot of Slavia games that I will never forget. Mm. And this was the game uh, when we uh, qualified for Champions League, finally, after so many years. Mm. Uh, the home game against Ajax Amsterdam. Mm. It was amazing. You know, we were we were sitting on the fence like 10 minutes before the end of the match, just waiting when, when the final whistle comes and we can run to the pitch and celebrate with the players. Mm. Then, then, you know, the title came. Uh, you know, many titles uh, came. Uh, mm. It's always special. 
uh, one cup game uh, at Sparta Stadium. Well, it was it was the home to check cup, and we were playing there for the second time in a week, I think. Mm. There was this league game, and then and, a cup game, and a cup yeah. game. And for the cup game, like nearly no one showed up, mm. <laughs> and we were there just in one half of the away sector because there even the away fans didn't come in such big numbers, mm. and we chanted for the whole game, and it was like it was it was really a fanatical atmosphere. So even this game was special, and a lot of Slavia games. But did were you special. win that game? I'm not really sure if it okay, won so, one, maybe. So th- exactly, that's the answer that I wanted <laughs> yeah. to get because I think you you go there more for the, the, the fun and the atmosphere. Yeah, that's that's it, that's yeah. it. And that's also when I go to matches abroad, you know, I don't always remember how it ended, but yeah. I always remember the atmosphere yeah. because that's what I come to see. Yeah. I, uh, for me, it's different because the, the, the biggest atmosphere that I remember is when Iceland beat England 2-1 in the Euros. But I think, you know, like, yeah, that, that was just, both atmosphere and also the results. I get goosebumps now when I talk about it, and uh, and and that's the thing about football. It can create those memories that you will never, like your had you split uh, Croatia trip with you know where you were treated like a royalty. Those twenty four hours that I spent in Nice, France, seeing Iceland beat England, I will never forget. I remember every fucking hour of that trip. It's a very interesting thing, and 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 only football can. Or so far, only football has been what creates this somehow. Um, I think we're good, aren't we? Yeah, it's up to you. It's yeah. your show. I think actually it would be uh, it would be cool. I will I will post some links to to um, it's my show. I will post some links to um, to uh, Slavia fan club and stuff like that, um, and maybe uh, maybe to to SS Austria as well if if I can in the episode description. <coughs> so. Guys that are listening, please uh, rate the, 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 the show on, on Apple Podcast. Uh, you can only give five stars. If you don't want to give five stars, then just don't rate it. Um, and uh, check out the Facebook, the Blah Blah Bunker, and the Instagram, the Blah Blah Bunker. And there is a Twitter account with um, billions of followers, 10 people following me, uh, Blah Blah Bunker. Um, and yeah, show me some love. Support my sponsors if you can. And to tell anyone that you know about this. And if you know any cool people that are in Prague or come to Prague regularly that I should talk to, then let me know. And uh, David, thanks for coming. It was great to have you. Thank you for I know. Me. I know we, we could have done, you know, we've done now an hour and a half or something. We could have done I much longer because before we started recording, we started talking politics. And that was getting really, really interesting. <laughs> Trump and the wall and... Uh, you know, Orban in Hungary and, and a lot of different things, but we'll do that later. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you again for having me. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we could have talked about football for many hours, yeah. even so, yeah. Is there something that I say if I'm a Slavia fan, like like uh, Forza Slavia, you know, is there some... Yeah, you can say Slavia Rotoho. Slavia Rotoho, what do, does that do, mean? Dotoho, like, uh, like Go Slavia. Or, I don't know. Aha, Slavia Totoho. Yeah, yeah. I will say that next time that I meet a Sparta fan. Okay, yeah, you can try that. <laughs> Hopefully he will be friendly. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Thank you.